This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Always Remember Others may hate you Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your one and only Mod State Podcast What's going on, my friend? That's right, that's right uh, My friend, it's good to be back with you uh, It's been a been an interesting interesting nearly two weeks and and folks i know we keep promising to 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 be more consistent and we're getting there we will we will events outside of everyone's control but the good news is we are back and one of my favorite places to be nate well i'm glad that you feel that way and uh i certainly can echo that so let's yeah yeah, well let's just dive into it i think there's plenty to talk about obviously the most uh, there's been a number of things that's uh, happened since we have uh, done our last podcast. I think it's worth highlighting a few of those before we start. So that would obviously, the most obvious would be the um, three, well, uh, the the jury finding uh, Derek Chauvin guilty on the three counts of which he was charged in the George Floyd death. Uh, his sentencing will be in probably around two months in Minnesota. At the same time, Literally, at the same time that uh, much of this was happening, there was uh, another shooting within stone's throw of where George George Floyd's trial for justice was being held. Um, This is really more of the uh, uh, headlines that are dominating uh, at least American news for for today. Um, And on top of, of that, Verdi, uh, a guilty verdict, which I think was incredibly important, and I'm sure we can talk about it. Um, there has been, I wouldn't say like a massive amount of movement on the Biden infrastructure plan, but certainly is, uh, is certainly headed the direction where hopefully we'll see some debate on that. Right. And uh, what else am I missing? Increased uh, Russian and American tensions, uh, Russian amassing troops on the Ukrainian border, China well, being overly mm-hmm. aggressive in the South China Sea. There was what some kickback towards the Russian ambassador or the the uh, President Biden's appointee for the post. Rather, there's been some kickback or blowback on that, hasn't there? Um, the, the gentleman was seen as too soft or too dovish with in regards to the ambassador to to Russia. Well, right, I don't I don't think he's been confirmed yet. No, well, I mean he's a Trump era holdover, and so right. what, what happened was that Russia. Well, they're inclined to keep him, I guess, since not Biden's renominated him. Yeah. So the the uh, the United he States, the, yeah, the United States effectively expelled some diplomats from the United States back to Russia. Russia wound up expelling U.S. diplomats back to the United States, and then the uh, ambassador to the United States from Russia turned around and went home to Moscow. Right. And at the same time, the ambassador to um, Russia and the United States, which is which is a Trump appointee, came back, quote unquote, to to meet the new administration. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. It just is a fairly no. touch and go time um, to be doing that with the, the increased tensions, especially with Navalny, who is um, apparently dying. Apparently, he's on uh, he's on a hunger strike. Yeah, he has apparently been transferred to a hospital, and there have been quite a when within this week. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, like he's been on a hunger strike, though. Like, oh, well, 
uh, in supporters say apparently he's dying. Yeah, and he's apparently that he's not he's not doing so hot. They're saying that he he went on a hunger strike, and since then, like he, you know, his I believe his kidneys he's starting to experience renal failure. Yeah, and so I mean, what's the deal there? I mean, what's going on there? Well, I mean, that's just what happens when I mean, I, you don't. You, eat. Do you have any more? Not really, other than the fact that I think that they have demanded that they have independent physicians that are of his choosing treat him in the hospital as opposed to the military or government appointed physicians. But I think there's just so much unknown at this point. And at, at this point, what we do know is that there's been quite a, a, a quite a massive protest in both Moscow and St. Petersburg with a number of arrests. Um, Putin is actually up for reelection. <laughs> Funny, whatever that is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the- but you're starting to see the, there's there's a clear uh there's a clear pivot in russian culture so you can there's a, i think I, I don't have like the poll in front of me but certainly older russians <clears throat> um align with putin and the younger generation is certainly more aligned with navalny but it's certainly is interesting because someone made a point that time really is not on Putin's side in terms of the direction that his country is going from a cultural standpoint. No. The internet... They're, cert- they're the internet- what, the only major industrialized country in the world to lose population in the last decade? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in that case, in that regard. Like, that- I mean, like they, the population decline. I mean, everyone loses population due to death, but like they were in the red in terms of growth or lack thereof, correct? Exactly. I mean, there's not a whole lot um, in terms of like future great future economic prospects in russia it's kind of sad in the sense that they've got an immense amount of natural resources they simply don't have the apparently the financial capability to Mm -hmm. harvest those resources correct i think i think it's just the 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 thing so the big talk several years ago is that russia would effectively begin to own Europe, quote unquote, because um, of their energy resources that they had, right? So right. they could potentially supply Europe. Remember Friedman went off on that. Yeah. And I, I don't know that that has Not really... About the next decade, remember? Yeah, it's true. And I, I just don't know that that has actually fleshed out the way um, he had predicted that that would... I'm not to say well, that they're not a superpower, but the fact is, well, I think there's there's the political... The political situation in Russia and the well, Putin is more of an more enigmatic than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. Yeah, you know, they they a lot of folks here, conservative, left leaning, whatever. I think tend to just see him as having had at the very least, we can all agree, an odd, a strange relationship with Donald Trump at the time, President Trump, and prior to that, but. Also, he's not been as interested as I think Mr. Friedman, who excellent book by the way. I'm not discounting the next decade. No, they're great. They're great reads. But I think in in Putin's case, he's almost Joker like himself in the sense that he's not apparently interested in economic growth like he says he is. Otherwise, these clandestine, these 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 deal breaking type uh, moves in foreign policy encroachment. It's almost like he's really more interested in the dynastic. He's really more interested in being seen 
as amongst the czars, in a sense. I, I think he's more interested in that, at the very least, than he is genuine, hey, let's write the ship here in Russia. Let's turn this thing around and get growth going. Give young married couples a reason to have babies and stay here. You know, blue, you know, make Russia great again, whatever way you want to put it. He seems more interested in me looking at it for a decade now, since you and I both bought the book. I mean, I bought my father-in-law a copy of that book. I bought my father a copy of it. I bought my brother. You know, I have immense respect for the material, but I think that he's a little more difficult than that to read because it seems as though the there's this very personal sense of a need for restoration of what was lost. Yeah, and I think well, the other piece of this too is I don't, I don't see, and I, I don't know that there's many people, I mean, I'm sure you could argue this in a counter argument. He, he, but he's a difficult yeah, person to read. But I don't, think, I don't think Putin is as much of a patriot as he is a thug, quite frankly, a dictator. I mean, I'm sure that he has, I, I'm not saying I know his, the, I don't, I, I don't understand his patriotic heart. And I think to him, they're probably one the same. Maybe, or, or that, yeah, I mean, there's cultural differences, maybe, right? Like, maybe there's a, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, their cops make our cops look like kindergartners. Yeah, it's, it's just, I, I feel like he is certainly more of a thug than he is an idealist. But, um, I'm not arguing with you, but since we're on this topic, like, elaborate on that, if you, if you don't mind, please. Well, I, just, I, I want to know more about where your headspace is at. I think, I, I don't think, I, well, so I think that the, the leadership of, of Putin is far more, uh, there, there's far more ego rooted in it than there is, I'm not saying that the president of the United States or any past presidents aren't egotistical maniacs, but they're not as egotistical maniacs as Vladimir Putin, right? Right. He, he is clearly far more corrupt and is taking advantage of the power structure in Russia to exploit that. I mean, he exploited that to essentially become where he is today and can, has consolidated his power, similar to like Xi Jinping in China, although I think it's just, it's more, um, dare I say, like rustic in Russia than it is right. uh, in China. Like you don't see China doing open hits and assassinations in, in like England um, whereas Russia really doesn't right. have a whole lot of say in terms of um, like a, a huge economic player yep. in that the world stage. So what... that's ultimately what Putin does is he plays more of the right. thug role, KGB role right. of doing I hits think he realizes, to be a bully. That's what I mean, though, in saying that he's more interested in the dynastic. Than, I mean, because he talks a big game with regard to economic reform, the, the open marketplace. But let's be real here. All of the oligarchs there that they have this the way it works out, folks. And, and Nate, I know you you probably understand this it, probably better than me. But the the role of the oligarchs there, these big business players, it's basically mo monopolistic competition. And that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's a limited number of players, and they ensure Putin stays in power. He ensures they get what's theirs in terms of money. Um, but let's get real. If those thugs underneath him wanted to, they could eliminate what you and I see as a problem. They don't see it that way. The system works out just fine for them. Mm -hmm. However, that's not attracting growth. That's not, I mean, I, I'm sure when young couples do marry, the first thing they're thinking is not necessarily America, but the hell out of here. 
you know, they're not staying and by large, you know, it's body politic <laughs> per the Politburo, is that how you say it? Uh, they, they're not interested in staying and, and having a family there. And, and I think whether Putin has made a conscious decision, hey, we're going to be thugs versus uh, a facade of a veneer of representative democracy, I'm not sure it could be. But I know there's got to be some sort of resignation to, hey, I can't make us a global economic foot powerhouse right now. I mean, he's what, pushing 70? Yeah, I actually don't know how old he is. Uh, you know, got divorced not too long ago. She's not dead, so I'm assuming that he wanted her gone. That's a good question. I haven't got that deep. I sent you a link, by the way, on uh, the, the ambassadorship situation here. Um, but I think I think both things can be true. I th- I think you and I both we're not even on opposing sides of this. It's more just he's that bizarre in a sense. He's that complex that I think you're right though in the sense that he comes from the American essentially version of the K- of the CIA, or he comes from the Russian version of the CIA. Excuse me, butcher that statement. Um, let's see, he is. <clears throat> Well, while you're looking that up, I would like to tee this up. We are 15 minutes in, roughly, and I do believe we 68. have a, 68. So you're you're right. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. Obviously, yeah, we're kicking, yeah, sorry, folks. No, we're I, kick, we're kicking off on uh, um, a couple current events, um, which I think is great. Uh, but we do have uh, we do have we we could make that the educational. What did you have for educational? Uh, no, I'm, I'm supporting. Uh, I, I'm your hawk in the Senate here. I'm supporting indeed. continued action well, on your part. We've got a good show. We got current current uh, events we just talked about. So we'll just we'll segue into the bizarre, which I think You're is broken. I feel like, uh, and, and before we even do that, um, uh, no time better uh, than not, and uh, we're gonna do it now, as always, my friends. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are listening on this blue planet. Uh, we appreciate your comments, your questions, your posting, your engagement. And you can always email us at email us. Email us at modstate at modstate.com. That's M-O-D-S-T-A-T-E at modstate.com. Um, we do have an Instagram um, and we are at least responding to comments on Podomatic.com. You could I think it's uh Potomatic.com forward slash mod state. But you can obviously, if you're listening to us, you're listening to us somewhere. So please continue to do so. Um, Well, let's dive into the bizarre, but I don't think it's necessarily as bizarre as it is. um, um, Actually educational and just really cool. Right. Cool. Um, so cool guys. Cool guys. So uh what we had done a educational or bizarre, I don't remember which one it was, on the Mars rover landing that recently just happened. And the we had alluded to the fact that at some point they would actually uh fly the helicopter that they had brought yeah. from Earth. I think how big was this thing? Um, well, let me read the article. So, no, 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 it's fine. A couple cool things about it. First, um, they had been working on this. They've been working on this for several years. 
they uh, actually brought a piece of the Wright brothers' plane symbolically to put on this. Um, right, they took something else, but anyway, continue. Drone, and I think it was pretty cool, um, pretty symbolic for the first flight. You know, so we flew through. over just so we're clear. So there was a helicopter that was attached to the rover, obviously. Mm. Or separate shipments. Um, no, it it flew with it. It's pretty awesome. Then then we un- it unpackaged itself and flew around the planet. Well, it wasn't quite wasn't quite as if it was just like floating around the planet. It was like a thirty nine second right. brief. So <clears throat> what's cool about it, and this is what's so neat about uh, mathematics and physics, is they were able to calculate how many rotations it would need to take in a minute compared to what it would be on earth because of the density uh, the air density on uh, on mars and so in this case it needed to spin at like 2900 revolutions per minute in order to give it lift so this is a 85 million dollar project however it is almost it's added like a three-dimensional tool to the toolkit in terms of being able to explore mars um let me see if there's it took them it took them three hours from when they uh when it began to fly in order to transmit data back to earth so that was pretty interesting but really what this means is it, it certainly doesn't mean that at this point there'll be drones flying all over uh, mars snapping photos it's definitely kind of prototype and it only flew for about 40 seconds it didn't really venture too far but there's is it dead now can it recharge and go again i am I, you know i don't know that but i imagine that it would be reusable that would because be what the whole thing's moving less than 40 feet isn't it the whole time it's there the rover what about the rover yeah it's only moving about what 39 feet or 40 feet the whole time it's less than 40 feet the whole time it's there yeah that's I mean, why they were so careful with where they landed it yeah and i think i think it was more or less just a validation of the test that hey it really does work to have you know it, 2900 revolutions per minute is enough to give this thing lift i imagine that it could it could go again that'd be a fairly expensive project to send another one just to do a different test but i don't know we'll have to see i'm not having i didn't get that we'll have to see i mean for one thing i i will say and i don't want this to be taken as i'm opposed to nasa i'm not however and i and i get it it's not there's not going to be any significant business return on our investment in that until there is say a mars colony or a moon colony and it's actually got its own developing economy we're talking you know half a century from now at least but I get the reason for us to have a presence in outer space, so at the very least we can detect threats such as an asteroid, et cetera, foul play in uh, putting weapons in space, et cetera. You know, there's a number of reasons, but I will say it's low down on the totem pole for me, obviously, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I, I think there's room, obviously, through cuts to some necessary areas for us to continue in the space program. I think it's a, overall, it's value added. I agree. It's a good way to describe it. Is I, th- I do believe it's value added. Um, you know, at some point, I think there's some good. There's I've been listening to and reading a, a lot um, on my downtime. I actually deleted Reddit, which I think is a good thing for my headspace and just uh, uh, <laughs> reengage my Kindle. But 
you know, some interesting points brought up. It's, you know, the, it, the idea that a Mars colony is, um, or, you know, to, to your point, it's, it's more uh, a less of a priority uh, for this right now. And I totally understand that. However, <clears throat> you know, it's at some point, it, it might be that we can't survive on this planet. And the value add of that developing infrastructure on mars the exploration on mars is enough to at least just keep the dna alive and and that seems really simplistic and almost callous but yeah you know if we do care about our species then we have we actually have to care about um potential terraforming somewhere else but no we do i mean the the reality is i I don't know. I'd like to think that we'll have an answer to some of our greater uh, climate-related issues, to put it you know, as agnostically as possible, because I know we don't want to go there with this, this show, but this particular episode. But they're, coming from a place like New Orleans, Louisiana, it's obviously it's, it's a concern to me. I mean, there's a reason why you've got engineers and consultants from the Netherlands and Venice, Italy, down in New Orleans. You know, I'll leave it there, but obviously it's an area of great concern to me. But in the meantime, we had best, I would prefer, you know, if it was a skiff, we could all go boating. But if possible, I would prefer that we have answered or at least in some way answered the issue of relativity and engaged in enough speed, if not light speed, or in excess thereof, fast enough within a reasonable you know, a generation so that some of the, the infants can become adults by the time they reach a planet that's breathable and as livable as is. We believe we found a few of those, and that would be optimal to me. But at the very least, we do need a, a plan, uh, one Bravo, and that would be, I mean, more than likely Mars rather than the moon, at least at first. Yes, the moon is closer, but in my view, at least we're not worried about everything getting fried half of the day on Mars. <laughs> I mean, whereas the moon, you have no atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, space is basically a hellscape. It's completely incompatible as far as we know with life. Yeah. Like ours. Yeah. It's definitely not a, not a cakewalk to go somewhere else or we'd already done it, some of us, but. You know, it's a shame if we do end up destroying Earth of our own volition because it's been good to us. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> pivoting, pivoting from Mars, you know, it's it's. We talked about it briefly at the beginning. I think it's worth discussing again uh, before we we had originally talked about um. What I should say, what we have been talking about recently is is what a Biden uh, presidency looks like. We've likened it unto sort of this new uh, FDR type approach to government governance, a potential time period, probably more ripe than any other time to instill trust back into the federal government, not all of the federal government, but certain aspects of the federal government because as much as it is one entity, it's many things. But um, before we discuss that and the potential appetite 
for that style of governance, which I think we might argue um, in agreement that there is an increased appetite for this type of governance in, uh, in that the federal government, uh, Congress and the Senate, et cetera, may be actually off base a bit more than we all think. <clears throat> but for that, I think it is certainly important to uh, discuss the outcome of the Derek Chauvin trial, which I think was probably one of the more important or at least <clears throat> highly visible trials of our generation. Absolutely. Um, I can say that I, at least in my opinion, uh, I do offer that quite a bit, that I think the resolution of that case by the jurors was fairly accurate. But of course, is not really any. There, there really isn't a need at this point to celebrate because, um, as many people have said, this is certainly uh, just a starting point. But is symbolic in in the fact that there it, maybe this is the turning point that so many people have hoped for hoped for for so many years. But it's just so devastating that it was at the the. The loss, you know, it was essentially for the loss of an individual who didn't need to be murdered for, you know, a counterfeit $20 bill. Um, that's, I think, the, the worst part of this entire thing, <clears throat> that there's still a life lost. But, you know, I think it has been further amplifying the message that has been certainly um is emblematic of the angst of the summer of 2020 in many major cities across the United States um, and across the world, really, um, <clears throat> that I think this is a, is a really important precedent to be set. I think seeing so many police officers testifying against this guy, sometimes it makes me wonder if, man, was he that big of a piece of shit that so many of those cops would, would testify against him or, is there is there or is it that i mean the the minnesota police department has had a rough run of it they've certainly haven't made it easy for themselves um and i don't mean that in any sort of sympathetic way i just mean they've certainly no. done, they've certainly been uh they've certainly been the poster child for uh police murders high profile murders of black men i mean it's just it's just the way it has been so I'm not surprised that Merrick Garland has opened that federal investigation into the the, the police uh, uh, department in Minneapolis. I, I think. Yeah. It... All, right, all right. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on one second now. Okay. That that's something I, I'm not sure if you and I discussed this or not. But my brother and I talked about this. You know, he's one criminal justice degree, and he he's definitely at the very least uh, center right. Um, but he made the point. That you did that okay. Usually, if nothing else, the police, a lot of organizations, there's uh, sort of a brotherhood, sisterhood. It's it's a fraternal type deal. Largely, uh, they just would say nothing. You know, if they didn't like the guy, they just wouldn't get involved. I'm not helping you out. He said for even the chief, even people that he worked with, to be willing to be so candid and so forthcoming in in creating this doubt about this man, I get all that. What I don't get, though, is why, if this was, not if, but since it was so severe, why were those other cops just, 
I mean, at what point do you go, hey, man, look, I, I think you got him. Like, get off of him. Why was nothing said if there was that much opposition to him? I mean, you know, he got a couple of bones thrown his way at the end towards, you know, when some of the forensic evidence bounced his way. But in the end, it wasn't enough. And And I tend to agree with you. No, I don't know the man. I don't know any of the people involved in this, but I, I will say that it looks to me from what I can tell that this young man, this cop should have been gone a while ago. And I, I think that more likely than not, because no, none of us know for sure, obviously, um, but I think more likely than not that the verdict was is correct. Yeah. Um, it doesn't address, obviously, it doesn't address, it, it kind of capitalizes on the fourth estate, in my opinion, but we, I know we don't want to go there. Um, it capitalizes on that, I mean, but it also doesn't answer the greater question of police reform, of things like cannabis reform. I mean, it, to me, it's kind of silly that now that there's a, a, a no shit legit opportunity for the Democratic Party to act here, and I'm not picking on the Democrats specifically, but they are the, the ones with the power right now. How are you going to let this moment regarding cannabis reform pass you by? Well, Chuck Schumer has vowed to. Yes, to end but it. he's got to have the president's signature. It doesn't matter. Let's say it's a unanimous. Well, I mean, it would matter then if it was unanimous, obviously, but let's say they got. A couple of Republicans on board, great. But at this point, they've got what two, at least two Democrats that are on board, Testerin and Manchin. You know, Manchin said that Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, said, I believe it was today. Excuse me, today or yesterday, stated that um, that certainly seems to be the way it's trending nationwide. Talking about legalization, obviously. And yeah, I get it. The everyday person's like, well, okay, obviously it seems to be trending that way. He's being careful politically, given some elements of his constituency there to not be like, look, a bunch of dumbasses. But that's kind of the gist of it going, all right, look, this is the way it's going. I want us to do something, but, um, well, basically, it was like borrowing a President Trump turn of phrase. Well, let's see what happens. So, and then I think it's Tester of Montana is the other one. Um, and they're not even guaranteed the other 48 votes. They, they know there's a lot of positive vibes. And this is something, what's so extraordinary here to me is that over 70% of the country, and it's like across demographics, the Republicans are at what? The low 60s in favor of total decriminalization and legalization of marijuana in this country. It's a weird issue because you've got such vast support for it. And yet, there's this reticence to get involved for fear of getting clobbered next year. And I'm going, I don't, I, on this one, I think the establishment's wrong in their, in their reading. I think both, you got to remember Chuck Schumer's long tried to, at the very least tried to, Senator Schumer, excuse me, has tried to espouse centrism, being, being a moderate. Now, whether he succeeded at all times, he would probably tell you he hasn't either. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, whenever she stands on this. Um, but to me, the idea that there's several, even Democrats on this, that are going, oh my goodness, we just don't know what to do. I'm going, I think y'all are misreading the calculus here. I, I, I think there's, there's some folks, and I'm not, I'm not naming any names. Any quotes that I gave you earlier is not 
obviously everyone still has to vote. You know, the trial, if you will, is not <laughs> over yet in terms of how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're not going to have the votes to override a veto. And if President Biden sticks by that, I'm going, okay, what, what's next? Are you going to be open to a tough on crime bill, Joe? Like, wake up, the 90s wants its social policy back. You know, it's, it's kind of frustrating reading this, poor, this report, in case you can't tell. It was kind of irritating because I'm going, my God. Yeah. Because you can only, under Senate rules, I believe, you can only use uh, um, budget reconciliation twice per year. Well, they've used it once. And that's the issue. Yeah. What's well, going to be, it's obviously if they have to make a choice, going to be police reform. And that's the other thing that, here's the real reason for folks, I'm sure given our audience, there is just more and more hatred building for them towards uh, Senator Joe Manchin. However, that's kind of, I think where he's coming from is saying, look, do we want to do this or greater law enforcement reform, et cetera? Because here's the thing, with reconciliation, you've got to be able to show that it has a dramatic, would possibly have a dramatic impact on our fiscal situation. Well, do you well, think, but do you, I mean, because we're talking, we were talking about George Floyd, but we're also talking about Cannabis reform in both well, the fact, from an economic factor, what, but, but more importantly, more like let's a, do all this in one go. And that's where Joe Manchin kind of echoed John Boehner when he said, look, this is supposed to be for a specific thing, not, hey, we attach all our goodies into this and get it all in one fell swoop. You know, you see what, you see what I'm getting at? That's, that's kind of Joe Manchin's mentality here is, hey, no, let's, this is the reason why we can't get anything done. And he's got a point there. This is the reason why we can't hardly get anything done, or one of the reasons, I would say, but he said the reason we can't get anything done is because basically all these riders, these, these earmarks, whatever you want to call them, pork, they used to be called, uh, he said, John Boehner called them poison pill riders because you're going to put them in there and the whole thing's going to tank because there's going to be so many priorities. Hey, let's get this done. Let's sneak this in there while we do it. There's going to be enough of that that, that eventually more than likely it's going to be Republicans that way throw up their hands and go, no, like, screw this. And they're going to lose Manchin. They're going to lose Tester at the very least. I mean, so, whereas slim down, you might get a, you could get a Murkowski or maybe even a Romney, even though I get it, he's, his faith, won't, he doesn't even drink caffeine. I get that. But I think socially speaking, I mean, Romney in terms, in agnostic terms is progressive enough possibly with some of his viewpoints to to enter tr and nixon territory if he wanted to yeah i, think, I can see I think romney getting on board look i mean i th so there's there's a number of things that are trying that are working their way through the house into the senate and i think like you said um th certainly this cannabis is not necessarily one of those that's working their way through, but there's been at least like we talked about Schumer, who's who's vowed to sort of make it an issue, and I think it's both economic, but more importantly, a social justice issue. Um, but also, there's the um, the George Floyd policing reform bill, um, which I, I think I'm just kind of rattling them off. There's the voting no, rights bill. There's also the COVID. That was more reconciliation. But there's there's an awful, awful lot of spending and reforming, uh, and also there's obviously some plans there to be able to help pay for this in terms of tax, um, some tax reform. But 
overall, the real question is, do I, I just have this feeling. Now, I don't have anything to back it up. I really don't. But one thing I had predicted and one thing we had talked about after the election of Trump and Biden, President Biden, um, was that like, how long does it take for this rhetoric to sort of cool down? How how long does it take to to come off the ledge of supra-partisanship? And it, I mean, I don't necessarily feel like we're more divided as a nation now than we were three three months ago. I think we're either the same, but I don't think it's somehow worse. And it, that's obviously a gut feeling. Um, but one thing I had brought up for some of the stuff you're talking about um, on your trip was that I think there is a far more, there's a far greater appetite for the type of governance that Biden is proposing um, in America today, more of that FDR style governance, bigger government handling a lot of issues like having, was it 200 million COVID vaccines already? Um, showing that their government is good for certain things, um, not necessarily for everything, but for certain things, it's really important. And I just feel that there actually is a bigger appetite for this right now in America than there has been uh, over at least the last 15 years. That I think we're at a point where enough Americans are struggling or are seeing less upward mobility, things we've talked about over the last couple of years in terms of um, a sort of stagflation of wages, although that could be debated um, over the last couple of years. But it certainly has not met a, a lot of similar growth metrics of businesses, uh, private and uh, private equity uh, CEO salaries, et cetera. So the wealth gap certainly is, is alive and, and well. And you'd brought up some experiences you had when you were um, in, in specific places in America that I think one might not believe they would hear things like a support for police reform or government spending. Um, but places like Mississippi have done things already this year that have been fairly progressive in terms of changing flags, et cetera. Um, However, there actually is more of an appetite for this sort of government intervention than austerity and tax cuts for the rich and uh, limited government and free market. Like, I'm not saying all of that is lumped into like Biden's strategy or anything, but well, certainly they you don't hear want, it as much. They, they want the marketplace. They want free enterprise. Don't which, which and there is free enterprise. Let's just be but, really clear. There they, is free enterprise in America. In, in a sense, what they want. No, I was I was answering your query, yeah, yeah. even though it was rhetorical. I didn't, I know, I I didn't want were, to get caught in a communist trap there. No, 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 no. I, I know that's not what you meant, but I mean, I know your question was rhetorical, but throughout, you know, being West Virginia, being in Mississippi, being in Louisiana, being in, in, in Florida, um, and just it, People want the free enterprise system, but they also understand the need for a strong social safety net that's there. Even if certain aspects of it aren't functioning all the time for all the people, having those mechanisms in place, the ability to, to be more expedient in, in operations, it kind of in a way embodies what that very difficulty, almost ineffable definition of radical centrism, that kind of embodies that in a way. Uh, that willingness to, to, hey, this isn't, it's called an emergency for a reason. You know, it's like your, your kid 
wanting ice cream every day. Well, sweetheart, it's not a treat if you get every day, you know? So and I, I don't mean to compare socially aid to treats and ice cream. You, that wasn't, that wasn't meant to be a, a sneer by any means. I'm simply saying, trying to, to equate it in a way that as a centrist, someone who wants people to, to stand on their own, be able to stand on their own two feet and to build a life for themselves, um, because I do believe the economy and the exchange of goods and the taxes that we place on it and, and our desire to provide for the general welfare of the American people, I think all of that indeed goes to, to underscore the point that I believe the economy exists to, in fact, improve our lives, to allow us to raise our standard of living. However, sometimes things in the cycle, the business cycle, uh, can get difficult for households and, and especially at risk or the most vulnerable, obviously, children and the elderly in times like this. And so, yes, free enterprise, but the ability of a strong executive and a strong a strong framework, a series of mechanisms in place for times of crisis, I think fits in very well with a lot of those folks. Um, granted, they're more conservative than me on a lot of social issues. I'm a social moderate, as you know. Well, so, um, so let me steer it this way then. Because, yeah. Because it's not a defense of anyone. It's not an no, attack no, no. on anyone. That's more just kind of an explanation yeah. of, hey, what's going on outside? For sure. Outside the four corners of, of this state that I'm in. Um, so the question then is, has, has the legislative body become, and I think Biden's doing a fairly good job of, of uh, trying to engage all parties. I think he is. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I think he's trying. And he, he really is. And that's what he set out to do. That was a campaign promise. But my question is, is the legislative body, I mean, certainly on the conservative side, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist on the left, it certainly does to an extent, but that the legislative body at the, in Washington, D.C. is actually more radical, like per capita, and, and more fringes than their constituency actually is. Right. right? Like... Politics is always a couple years behind mainstream culture, right? And, but can that be to a point where we haven't seen it too often in our cultural experience because it happens probably once in a generation? But let's just say McCarthyism, for example, right? Like the trials back in, what was it, the 50s and no, it was uh, the. Uh, yeah, they, they continued long after they had run their course in the court right. of public opinion. It, Exactly. That's my point. That this mindset that the over the, the general public was sort of exhausted with it, but there was still it was still being played out. Just like all of this big lie, people hanging on to this, hanging on to the president, attached to the president, that this rhetoric is sort of played out and America's would rather just put this whole election nonsense like the craziness and the emotions of the elections behind them. And actually no. just figure out what the heck we're going to be doing. And, oh, right. and, and, exactly. I, and I think that's what you're saying. I think people are more open to the fact that, look, Dad, Biden did produce, President Biden did produce a check to Americans. And, okay, well, that's a win. Uh, people are getting right. vaccinated. We've already discussed how that was, that was flawed to a limited degree. But I think, again, I think he's trying. Um, you know, I... I, at this point, it doesn't really matter that much other than 
you know, if you're writing a historical article or a historical novel or whatever, to place place some emphasis, not you, the, the royal you, on Operation Warp Speed, however cheesy of a name that was. Um, and I think the Biden administration came in swinging in terms of trying to take the bull by the horns. And, and I believe overall they've, they've done a good job with handling the response, the excuse me, the continued response, the virus and enhancing it, not the virus, the response. Um, but I, I think that's that's what I would say across the board. You've got the right takeaway from what I was trying to say. Um, and that's that there's kind of a sense of, okay, let's get some things done. And it sounds really simplistic to say, but I think that's kind of where a lot of people's headspace is at. Y'all know what's up. Well, and I think I think on both sides of the aisle, right? I think obviously there's there's going That's to be I mean. there's in gonna... New Orleans. I was around more of the progressive element of my family, and then when I went up, father's seventieth birthday, parents' fiftieth anniversary party, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of Southern Miss. You know, it's a um, it's a big legal and medical community. Um, you've been, and. Uh, yeah, now I'm back in the Beltway, back in the the tip of West Virginia that's technically part of the DMV. I'm 63 miles from Capitol Hill. And, yeah, there's different, obviously there's a difference, maybe the difference, but uh, there's the, the commonalities, the common factors, you know, denominator, if you will, is that regardless of one's viewpoint, even libertarians, such as uh, my brother self-identifies as a libertarian, he, he, he said, this is not the time for fiscal austerity. Now it's the time for action. Mm -hmm. get, the, get the ship right. Get people back to work. You know, get, get the schools open. I personally intend to uh, have medical staff use my, my beautiful iPhone to take a picture uh, live photo of me getting the vaccine this week, getting the Moderna finally qualified. I'm hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm gonna do it. Tell you what, put that sticker in my arm. It's better than the bleach. Let me tell you that bleach damn near killed me. Oh, I like how you mock your people. <laughs> uh, a bunch of well, and and they're shooting up Lysol. Yeah, and look. I always will say, at least medicine can be a uh, medicine I can be you to cheer them on. <laughs> no, medicine can be an interesting um, indicator to a lot of uh, broader cultural demographic statistics. So, I always say that you're never going to get a hundred percent of people to do something, but you can be, you know, if it's a reasonable ask, like a vaccine for during a pandemic, you're always going to get like ten percent of the people that will find every reason to never do something, yeah. right? Whatever that is. And you're going to have at the uh, initially you're, you might have like 50, 50, but really quickly that becomes 60, 40, 70, 30. Quick caveat for you. And then, and then 20%, it takes, it takes a long time to whittle down from 25% to 10%. But then once I get to 10% on something like vaccine hesitancy, I'm good. I'm not well, going to okay, achieve so more. This week, and and I this hope that's, I hope that's, I hope that's more emblematic of, of America, and yeah, I think so. I think I think it is. Um, one one group that's suddenly holding out at forty percent, forty percent of oh. the United States Marine Corps Ura. has not taken the vaccine. 
A, how much longer do you see it being a choice in the military? And B, someone said they have a choice. And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, as of right now, 40% of the United States Marine Corps has, has refused to take it. How much longer do you, do you see that policy lasting? That might be the only institution that easily could have 100% compliance unless someone goes AWOL. Well, well, that's the thing, because you remember, like, I'm sure it was the same for officers, OCS uh, or ROTC, whatever you did. But for us, I mean, you were getting every single vaccine except for smallpox. You got that if you deployed. Um, but you get everything, boot camp. Anthrax, all the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, so I don't I don't. How much longer do you see that being voluntary? Um. Well, they certainly can't sue the U.S. government. So my guess, no, my but, guess is that it would take one call from Biden saying, "Are you kidding me?" From well, an, for, a, a you can sue the the federal government. You must be able to pierce uh, the clauses of sovereign immunity, which there are thirteen of them. Um. No, I don't know if you had to pierce just one. I think it's just one, but you may have to pierce all. I, I think it's just one, but it's difficult to do, apparently. It's been done. But no, I don't ask it from that perspective. I ask it from the perspective of operational readiness. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. If 40% of your work, if you're, of your assets are... The granted, whole purpose granted, of the Marine look, Corps is the infantry. Exactly. Now, look. Tight, with, close if, quarters. If all, of, if all of them got COVID, most of them would be fine, but they still, it's a still, it's a huge liability. Well, you're still so, sick, though. Even if you yeah, live, you're not you, ready to go out and fight a war. No, it's a it's a huge, the bottom line, and you bring up that good point, I'm glad we, we were discussing it. It is an operational readiness issue. That if there's a 96% effective uh, rate against a horrible, debilitating disease, um, you, your force better be 100% vaccinated against that because that tool is there. Uh, it's a huge operational readiness issue. And I imagine that that, that margin will be um, closed fairly quickly. Okay, um, so that leads me, that's a perfect caveat, not changing the subject by any means, um, but more kind of offering a little bit of meat here like we discussed, not not any of the partisan fringe stuff we discussed precast, but regarding the, the virus itself. As a medical professional, you know, I, yeah. it, you being a medical professional, I am no longer, I was a corpsman, but I, I know enough now to be dangerous. But um, A is this going to be in your view like the flu where we have to get it every or should get it every excuse me i got the hiccups i don't know why um should it be is it going to be something like the flu where you should get it every year excuse me and um the question of why should we for now until the vast majority of the population is vaccinated uh, why should we, for instance, now continue uh, social distancing and wearing a mask? Now, my answer to this, again, I was a corpsman trained in trauma and pharma. You know, I do, interestingly enough, we did almost as much pharmacology as most doctors get while they're in medical school. Um, but I answered this to some folks uh, back in the Gulf South, friends and family, and said, look, um, we don't know yet, long story short, with with the uh the vaccine whether it's going to be one of those where you get it at birth and like tetanus you're supposed to get it what every seven years especially if you're working construction and stuff like that it's like five to seven uh, yeah but five to seven years right whereas a lot of them 
pretty much lifetime efficacy as far as we know. We don't know that yet because these vaccines are quite literally brand new. Um, regarding the why, um, why we should still social distance and wear masks, my response to this, and again, I want you to correct me or elaborate on both of my responses. If, if it's wrong, correct me. If it's right, either way, elaborate. As, because you cooperate a, an ICU, folks. Uh, Nate uh, is the, the man with the plan, the skills to pay the bills there in an ICU in Denver, Colorado. So he's definitely the medical professional here. But the second, my response to the second query was, because right now you can still be a carrier. Even though if you're fully vaxxed, you're good to go, fine. You're, you could still be a carrier and transmitting disease. You know, and, and so that's why social distancing, it, you know, unless if everybody in the room, it's you and 10 of your relatives and every one of you has been, is fully vaxxed and have been for a month, I would say it's reasonable. Anyway, but you, the, the true, the true medical professional in this podcast, you know, I, I know my, I, I know my square. So it, you know, my grid well, where I'm supposed to be, this is, this is more your lane, sir. So well, I mean, I think, a, you, I, think, a, I think you said it all. I think you said it all. Well, I mean, yeah, but no, I elaborate though. Again, just to, to jog your memory, is this an annual inoculation or, and then why still social yes. distance slash mask? Um, yes. So I think we'll, there'll be more to follow on whether or not this will be an annual, like a flu shot. <clears throat> um, the flu shot. What's your gut tell you? Uh, my gut tells me that I, I don't know. I have a feeling that as countries like Brazil, um, India, now that's having, they had just had their religious event and it was a huge super spreader. Um, that there'll be more variants that come out of India now. Um, I don't know if, if that continues to happen. I wonder if um, the, the some of these vaccines that we've had initially will have less efficacy to certain variants as so far they've been fairly effective. But if that's the case, I think it'd be more of an annual. Um, however, they're already talking about Pfizer boosters. So my I, I'm not quite sure how it'll flesh out, but I imagine that we will need more shots down the road. I think that's the best way to say that. Now. You're absolutely right. Um, as people become more vaccinated, the guidelines will change for people that have been fully vaccinated. For example, my uh, most of my immediate family in the area have had at least one round of the vaccine, and that certainly makes our um, interactions uh, safer. And it does not mean, of course, even with one vaccine or even with a full round uh, of two vaccines, in some cases. Uh, that uh, you cannot, you can still get COVID nineteen, and you can still transmit it. You just chances of you actually catching it and it being anything meaningful are very low. Um, and so it still is the right public health and public sort of civic duty is to still socially distance and wash your hands and wear a mask because there are people mm -hmm. that have not received it or have only received one, and uh, it's just sort of the right thing to do. Uh, and, you know, just to keep going and building on that, this is sort of like a public service announcement. One thing that's happened since we've had our last, uh, podcast episode is the, uh, the halt and ceasefire of the 
delivery of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine at this point. And that was because one, there were six cases out of all, I think it was like 6 million doses that were given of very rare blood clots. So that means that one in a million doses produced this, this fairly rare, but seemingly consistent um, diagnosis through these six individuals. Um, the EU halted the use of this, the FDA as well. Um, Dr. Fauci said that he imagines that this will clear hurdles and will, um, I think there was actually some news that came out that said that, uh, uh, that there, the, basically the risk cost risk analysis, uh, or the cost benefit analysis is that, and it might be as crude as saying that one in 1 million is worth it, <laughs> um, to drive on and reach herd immunity from COVID-19. Um, I think the governor of Colorado um, was very helpful by um, reiterating to the fact that even if uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was, uh, he would be willing to take it today, no problem. Um, however, I think that this entire situation was a massive setback for the one dose shots um, and people's skepticism with the overall vaccine. But what will happen as the more people get vaccinated and finish their rounds and become in, and come in contact with people that are still having hesitancy, um, they'll find that as the months go by, or at least the weeks go by, that nothing bad is happening. And I think it'll right. be harder to justify a lot of the bullshit that they read on, uh, on, on social media. Uh, and it's harder to justify that because they haven't actually seen anything um, in their physical you know, within their, the not digital dimension, but their physical dimension, um, haven't found anybody with real issues. Um, but I'll tell you, I think Biden, President Biden's um, push to get Americans vaccinated, whoever is helping run that effort is doing an incredibly good job. Um, he's certainly been delivering on time. I think that it, it, it becomes harder to justify um, from a political ideological perspective. It becomes harder to justify that the government isn't good at specific things, and he's been doing a fairly good job with it. Um, right. And uh, and so I don't think that this Johnson and Johnson uh, and AstraZeneca issues will effectively stall well, further vaccine de delivery because did I miss something, or was it as now look one life-threatening blood clot is not a good thing, okay? So I'm not minimizing the fact that it was, but as before you and I went to print, if you will, before you and I launched, jumped in here, it was four and a group of 1,000, yes? Four women, right? No, it was like six women out of six million. No, okay, 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 yeah. See, I, I, I don't know where I got those numbers from. It's been incredibly long week driving back from you know, the Gulf South. But, no worries. Um, no sleep whatsoever, but it was a great time. But anyway, so I knew I knew the number. The number was astronomically low. Now, again, if I were, if my goal is to get the Moderna vaccine this week. If we, if I got round one and got incredibly ill, I wouldn't want to hear. Well, you know, you're just one in one million. Okay, yeah, but it sucks being the one. I get it. Yeah. So I'm not minimizing that. So it's that low. It's pretty low. Six yeah. out of a million. Yeah, it's that's, that's astronomically low. No, it's it's like one in a million, basically. That's that's an infinitesimal. Yeah. So, but Minute. it is. But it should it should sh it should show people that they should have faith in the system because both the EU and the American market it was pulled. 
Um, so certainly it wasn't like a Upton Sinclair, the jungle situation right. where they just said, you know, F it, just go for it. Um, so in talking about depressing though, is the, uh, the fact that, well, no, we'll, we'll get on it. We'll get back on that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, no, I just, um, I just, I, I believe that I think vaccine hesitancy, we're getting to the point where the supply is going to outweigh the demand. Um, and well, yeah, that exactly. They announced that what today mm -hmm. and look, man, that's yeah. certainly not, that's certainly not like the worst position to be in. No, it's not. It's not. I, I, it's better. I'd rather have too much of something like that than, than not enough, obviously. Um, you know, cause my concern, have we begun administering in prisons yet? Well, I mean, it's, it's, if we I have, know we were lagging behind there and I'm going, okay. If we, we haven't we, already, uh, it's cruel and unusual. Yeah. If we haven't already, it, it certainly will be headed that direction fairly soon. I imagine. Um, uh, I would imagine. I mean, you know, um, there yeah. I am. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we sort of stand with the, with the whole coronavirus thing right now, but look, I, I want to let you know this was, was a fantastic combo, and it's one that's been a long time coming. Uh, but we are at an hour, and we're burning the midnight oil. Um, and it's time for me to, uh, yeah, I'm saunter, get back to saunter off to slumber. But um, I want to say again for uh, all of our listeners out there, um, thank you thank for you. tuning in and, and making this thank worth you, it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I didn't say it before, but head over to monstate.com for more op-ed and opinion pieces. And look, man, as always, it's an honor and privilege to do this with you week in and week out. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it always, even when we, this episode obviously didn't, but even at times when we get tense and have a, a more ferocious debate, I still walk away from it going, hey, but there's hope because we're having this conversation and we hear it all the time, even if they don't like one of us individually. And again, usually it's me that, they don't, but even then, though, it's largely positive feedback. I was checking out some of it recently, and it's it's enough for we. Uh, they put us our our listeners have put us in a great position globally and domestically, and we appreciate that. Um, it's we're going to have the opportunity to become, I'm not saying stiff and snooty, but a more professional outfit in the sense of having some more regular contributors, specifically on the editorial side, being able to. You know, gasp, drum roll, please actually think about doing like a mini uh, tour, if you will, like podcasts when they get big enough, you start going to different places and doing it live. We've talked in the past about helping, you know, um, when our revenue stream is more consistent, helping, um, helping charter schools and public schools that are interested in participating in such a program, uh, setting up their own little studio. And, uh, and that's something we talked about in the past. I'd be more than interested in, in financing. And if it's something that you know, would actually be used, I, by all means, um, 2020 definitely throw it off. I mean, we still, you know, we still, to make it more of a simplistic answer, go by RFK, Democrat versus Nixon, Republican, respectively. But that, that whole idea really got canned last year because of the Rona, you know, a small price globally to pay, relatively speaking, but still. Um, but it really, really the last year definitely said to me that we've solidified our capability of doing virtually anything, uh, remotely while a lot of the media admittedly struggled. Well, we'd been doing it for a while, hadn't we? Exactly. So, but I love you, man. Right. And I look forward to, to reconvening soon. Indeed. Well, as always, my friend, honor and privilege. And, uh, until next time. Au revoir.